Good morning, friends, and thank you so much for being here. Today we have Tasha Flesher, an international teacher now in Takahistan. She shares her story about how overworking and stress affected her health and how that influenced her career change. I apologize in advance for the internet cutting us off at the end. But again, aren't we lucky to be so many hours away from the conversations and yet still be able to connect? Here, we're having an open-hearted conversation about a woman facing obstacles and rising. I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Let's have a listen. I want to take the opportunity to thank you for listening to my shows and encourage you to share your thoughts and comments and feel free to suggest topics that interest you and you would like me to discuss. And as always, if you feel you're in a place that needs guidance to rise into a bigger version of yourself, please email me for coaching services. Can't wait to connect with you. My services are here for you. Let's do this. Thank you for listening. How are you? I'm good, thanks. How are you? Doing well. So this this came about, Sarah. I want to know a little bit more about you. Do you want this to be coaching, or do you want it to be an interview about what you do and your mission and all that? How do you want us to do this? Um, as you like, as you like. <laughs> uh, I I guess anyone would work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So I'm going to do, I'm going to do the, since I'm recording it, I'm not going to do the coaching. I'm going to do the, I want to know a little bit more about you. Okay. So tell me about, tell me about how did you decide that you wanted to do this? What, what brought you to this place in your life as a coach? Right. Um, For me, it happened. I mean, I got the, the biggest shock of my life last year. Um, when COVID hit and all of that, I ended up getting really, really ill um, with severe chest pains and stuff. Uh, I wasn't diagnosed with COVID, but I spent almost two weeks in an infectious hospital, um, Mm. very secluded in Poland. Um, Mm. On top of that, um, they found a, a tumor in my throat as well. So I also had to do um, tests and stuff like that to find out what was happening. Uh, thank God, um, nothing came out of that, but I do have to remain under the control of an endocrinologist and do um, checkups every six months, which means they send needles down my throat, and pull fluid out and stuff like that. Um, yeah, very painful, but yeah. <laughs> So let me ask you, um, is, is, so because, are, you in, uh-huh. are you in treatments for that? Is it causing you pain? Um, are you even aware that you have it or? No, no, I, I wasn't aware I had anything going on with my throat or anything. Um, it's only because I was in the infectious hospital and they couldn't find out what was going on because I was getting severe shortness of breath and severe chest pain, severe through the MRIs and stuff like that, they found um, the tumor malagnite 
in my throat. Um, all of this came about though because I was severely stressed from work. Um, we've heard the saying before that uh, hard work can't kill you, but I guess I was giving it my 150%. I'm naturally a workaholic, so to me that was just natural, you know, working very hard. But because I was the head of school, I was the executive principal of two, di two different schools in two different cities in Poland. So I worked extremely, extremely hard. And in the end, when all of this nonsense hit with COVID, um, got very sick and it was a time for me to slow down. And I think everything just started acting up on me. And of course, my employer didn't give a, a hoot of what was going on. And I decided to resign anyways. It was from since that day when I sat in the hospital bed in that very secluded, isolated uh, room. And I mean, it's very isolated. They, they take infectious um, things very serious there. No one is allowed to visit you. I couldn't see anyone or talk to anyone for almost two weeks. All I would see, they would have a camera probably just like what's on a computer in the room and no one comes in except to drop in your tray of food or something like that, or they'll come to do your temperature and your vitals at the beginning and end of the day. And that's it. You're not allowed to walk and go anywhere. It's just, it was crazy. So that was my turning point. And I decided I was never going to go back to that point in my life again. I was never going to work that hard for anybody in my life again. I decided, okay, what am I going to do with my life? I always know, knew that I wanted to lead a life of value and impact. And for me, I thought that's what I was doing internationally, being an international teacher for the past 18 years with my family moving in different countries around the world. I was always still not satisfied. At some point, I do think that I did know deep down inside that I wasn't giving the value that I knew that I was meant to. And this is how As We Rise came up. That yeah. is fantastic. It's a very interesting story because the pandemic really affected all of us in different ways, but we were all affected by it. Not necessarily the people, of course, the people who got sick and who lost family members, not just for those. I think yeah. we just, life became something unexpected. And it came to us from nowhere. And we had to pivot really quickly and reassess what our yeah. lives is about. So it's interesting that you had to, because physically also your body was telling you it's time, right? With everything that was happening to you, it became a physical, emotional connection to, for you to make that switch. Um, so did you have to do some soul searching at that point regarding which way to go with your, with your background, you knew you wanted to stay pretty much in the same field or not at all. Tell me a little bit about that. Right. Um, I knew that, of course, I couldn't just um, jump right into my coaching. So that's why, you know, I'm gently getting myself in there now more so than ever, because I'm coming to that crunch point of the end of the school year, which will happen for us here in May, I don't want to go back to teaching anymore. Of course, teaching per se is in a classroom, but my coaching, that's where I want my teaching value to be given to. 
soul searching for me, uh, I think, were the days that I spent just sitting and looking outside a window, which felt like prison, mm -hmm. literally. Um, it was just a bare train track that you can see just secluded outside the window. And I think that's where my most important breakthroughs came from when I realized that I wanted to be a coach and that coaching was the way in which I can lead with impact and actually add value to the lives of women and girls. And I chose women and girls because of the things that I've seen in my international career, facing women in different parts of the world, and also the mere fact that I myself am a woman and I've always also had to stand up for myself and stand up a lot in a lot of different places. One, um, the obvious being because I'm a woman of color and most times I would be the only woman of color in schools, in international schools that I've been as a leader as well. So for me, there was no choice in to choosing really if I wanted to be just a, a life transformational coach or a woman and girls transformational coach. For me, it was very clear the path that I wanted to take on becoming a woman and girls transformation coach. It's wonderful. Well, it's it makes sense because it's clear that it touches your heart due to your experiences and who you are, what you represent. With, with the girls in women's coaching, are you particularly zoning in on one particular aspect on just developing their empowerment? What is, what is your method of, of transformation, let's call it? Right, so I am a transformational coach for women and girls. I help women and girls, or I support women and girls in empowering themselves to rise up against limiting negative belief about themselves, their parents, their skill set, anxiety, leadership, imposter syndrome. And of course, to rise up as a lotus in radical confidence. Yes, similar to, to my niche too, just um, crushing those limiting beliefs that hold us back. Yeah. Definitely. What do you think is the number one challenge that we face as women in general, or maybe specifically women in color, since it's that it's so um, close to your heart? What is the number one challenge? I think the number one challenge that we all face as women um, would be putting ourselves forward for leadership. Um, a lot of studies have shown that men would 70% of the times go forward or put themselves forward for a position that they weren't even qualified for, whereas women, the percentage rate to that was just like 40%. So I think that is the biggest challenge that we face as women of color, of any woman in this world. It is putting ourselves forward for leadership and believing in ourselves. And as you said, it's, it's that limiting belief. It's the confidence level that we are lacking to just put ourselves out there. Yes. Tell us a little bit about your podcast and a little bit about your business. We'd like to share with the listeners a little bit about what you're up to and where we can find you. 
Okay, um, so my podcast is called um, As We Rise, and the symbol is the lotus. I chose the lotus because of my own transformation that happened before, as I explained earlier. And I also chose it because of the transformation that a lotus goes through. You don't, when you look at a lotus from being planted in a swampy area, it's covered in mud, it, it really has to pull through a whole transformation. But when it does emerge, it emerges the most beautiful flower that you've ever seen. Beautiful. That everyone gravitates to. And the lotus also has this universal symbol of peace, of holisticness, of well-being, and it's everything that I stand for and want to achieve and leave that type of impact on this world. So my podcast is called As We Rise, From Mud to Lotus. Um, so that's where the name came from. And I interview women who are leaders in their field, also women who of different nationalities, of different backgrounds, so that they can be champions for girls coming up in this world, for other women, for other leaders and inspiration for them as well, so that they can be proud also and have the confidence to do things that they, that they were never able to do because there is something very empowering in seeing someone who looks like you as well. So I interview lots of women of different backgrounds around the world so that they can also be an inspiration to women in their own cultures in different countries. Yes, I think it's important to really relate to the differences in all of us and really try to make a connection as women and humans in general. But it's important, like you said before, if we can see it, someone that really looks like us or has the challenges and backgrounds that we do, it's easier to relate and realize that we can rise above all that and really become better version of, yeah. of ourselves. So I'd like to always add a few personal things to this. What is your fear now? You, can you pick up on one of the things that you still, as a human, knowing all that you know, what is the one fear that continues to rise for you? I think one of my major fears is that I really think being a uh, very, what can I, what word am I looking for here? I think falling back into my old pattern of overworking myself because like I mentioned before, I am a workaholic and I can see myself gently nudging that way every now and then and I have to pull myself back because I start feeling the chest pains again and I think it, it's, it is because of stress. So I think that is my biggest fear. I, I still have a long way to go recognizing or pinpointing my my down point when when I'm supposed to just slow down and take it easy. Yes. I suggest listen to your body. You know, we the, the body gives us signals that will tell it'll tell you to slow down. You know, once you you do you have a meditation practice, spiritual practice of any way? Yeah, yeah, I do at the start of every day. Like I'm an early riser, both myself and my husband. So we wake up at 4 a.m. every morning so that we can get a head start on the day, an hour of quiet, of just 
being in ourselves, doing our affirmations, being grateful. We even have a whole room dedicated to that. So yes, very um, spiritual in my own way. That's lovely. That's lo lovely. So, so am I. I like to start my day with on a positive, grateful note in a peaceful place. I don't have a room dedicated though for my meditation practice. That's that that could be a great goal because in the space that you do it, it becomes each sanctuary. That's a good one. Tell me what what do you think the world needs? Because I ask, I like to ask a couple of questions at the end of the interview. And what is your fears one? And what do you think the world needs? So the fear is internal. So now what do you think it's external that we all need as a collective? human race i think basing it from the lenses in which i see it from i think the world needs a lot more people that are empathetic towards other people you may not necessarily have to be a believer in what somebody else is doing or close to someone to be empathetic you just i think that should just come naturally we know the world is a crazy place but in everything and everywhere that I go, I do see that there is, there are human beings who, who still understand and come from that point of view of love and of nurturing and also empathizing. But I think the world definitely can do with a lot more empathetic people in it. Yes, I totally agree. Um, what do you do for self-care? Ah, right. Um, so for me, I, like I said before, I, my morning routine is very important. I do also keep to a strict sleeping schedule. So 10 o'clock, go to bed, no matter what we have set up and anything like that, we, we go to bed, we start switching off from social media from the computer from our phones and everything an hour before it's a practice that we started getting into in the later part of last year and it has proven very well for mental wellness and all of that i i really enjoy sitting in quiet or sitting at the beach when i'm back home in the caribbean of course um but where are you from here, in the caribbean tasha if i may oh, interject tell me Tobago. Oh, fantastic. I am Dominican. I mean, I was, I came to this country oh, when I was seven. Okay. So yeah. So I mean, I've been, my education's been here and I've been raised fantastic. here. But yes. So when you said the Caribbean, I, you know, the Caribbean inside me went like, I want to know where I want to know where <laughs> the best I know I, I need a vacation. <laughs> me too. I, I can't wait to get home. Really. Yeah, so I, I really like um, lighting my candles, just sitting back and doing nothing in my nothingness. For me, that's um, very, it, it takes me to a place of relaxation. I also enjoy spending time with my kids. I like to play football with my boys. I'm practicing my Spanish as well because my husband is Chilean. So yeah. Oh, that's, that's wonderful. Oh, wow. That's great. Well, last couple of questions. Tell me what love is to you finish that okay sentence. um right so love for me is being whole within myself because i found out the hard way 
that of course all of my lessons have been very hard love for me is first and foremost loving myself learning to accept who i am in order to be whole so that i can be whole to somebody else to my children and to my husband and also the people that i interact with love for me also is a giving and receiving of sometimes um which may be very very soft intimate parts of myself to someone um it can be my husband definitely we're on another level of intimacy but also letting other people in to my more private intimate um parts of my life as well because um it's moving from a place of fear the unknown the known into the unknown really um because i think for a long time i have been ashamed of some things that i have th- that have happened to me in my past ending up homeless in a foreign country was one of them but as as i as i reflect on that you know it, there were some funny times which i didn't see very funny in those times but yeah. um so for me love is that is are those things all bundled up into one yeah yes and it always starts with oneself right we cannot give yeah. that we don't have what is success to you great question um so success for me is an embodiment of a holistic approach to my life success is also a part of my love it's a part of my happiness it's a part of me being whole because success wouldn't matter to me if i didn't have any of these things uh family relationship family goals um my emotional physical health of course abundance goes and plays a big part of my success and who i am as a person but for me my success really lies in all that i am and aspire to be and what i actually am doing to achieve that beautiful beautiful and last question tasha i want to be remembered for so i want to be remembered for the value and impact that i had on this world in transforming the lives of more than 1 million women and girls helping them to see themselves as leaders helping them to become better versions of themselves as mothers as students transforming their lives so that they as well can leave an impact on this world thank you tasha for sharing your heart and story with us listeners if you enjoyed this chat and found it helpful and inspirational in any way please rate and review thank you so much for listening and remember ladies step into your fabulousness because as i always say playing small doesn't serve anyone see you soon